0: Let's pray. Lord, grant that the meditations of our hearts and the the words of my mouth might be pleasing in Your sight, might be Your Word. For You are our rock and our Redeemer. In Your name we pray. Amen. We live in an age of church shopping. When people move to a new community, except when they're called, (laughs) Um, or when they get upset with their church, they go shopping for a new place. And oftentimes when they come into a new community and it's not the case anymore, the people go, well, that's the Missouri Synod Church in town, I'll go there. that's not so much an assumption anymore. During COVID, it's. Gotten even easier to church shop. Because people can sit in the comfort of their own home and visit numerous churches on the same Sunday online. And that's happening. We know people visit our live stream more in the afternoon than in the morning. Got me to wondering what are people looking for? You know, I Googled it, like all brilliant people, right? And and I found kind of a common thread that there are seven different things that people are looking for in a church. First, they're looking at the quality of the sermon. People want engaging and relevant sermons. Second, they they want to be welcomed by the leaders. People want to visit a church and know that somebody noticed that they were there visiting. Third, people care about the style of worship. Some people want contemporary. Some people want traditional. And the truth of the matter is, those things mean different things to different people. Some care about location. They want the church to be easy to find. Maybe close to where they live. I know one person that, that he makes it a custom That when they move someplace, he goes to the church nearest to their home. No matter what denomination it is. Fifth. Is religious education for kids. People want an active children's ministry. Youth ministry. But more importantly, one that teaches the faith. To their children. Or at least values. Sixth. People care about having friends and family in a congregation. Now, I told the first service I'm going to date myself here by this comparison, but people want the church to be like that bar in the TV show, Cheers, where everybody, or at least somebody, knows your name. And Finally, people look for churches that have volunteer They They don't want to just sit in a pew. They want to be involved. They want to be doing things that matter in people's lives. Now, none of those things surprised me and and there's nothing really wrong with any of those things. And I imagine as Linda and I retire in about six, seven months and we begin looking for a new church up in the Dallas area, we'll probably think about some of those things. Because it'll be the first time when I'm not going someplace because I was called. Well, Got me to thinking, are those the only things that are important to look for? Or are there maybe more weighty matters that should be on our mind when we look for a church? And so that's that's what Pastor Ridley and I are going to talk about over the next seven weeks. What, What do you look for in a church? What should you expect from your church? And to guide us in the answer, we're going to use A little, I guess, article or treatise, theses that Martin Luther put together on seven characters, characteristics of a church. So, where do you begin? Well, Luther begins where we begin with building any building. He begins with the foundation. And for him, the foundation is the word. First, Luther writes the holy Christian people are recognized by their possession of the Holy Word of God. Well, that's where the reading began today that Ebenezer read. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, and here it is, built on the foundation of of the apostles and prophets, built on the foundation of the Scriptures old and new of God's Word itself. You see, the Word of God taught in all its glorious truth is the most important thing to look for and expect in your church. Now, how do you judge that? How do you measure whether a church is adhering to the the Word of God. Well, it's quite simple. One test is to ask the question Does the preaching and teaching in this church agree with the Bible itself? I mean, you could go online, you could you could go online. We have a spot online where it says this is what we believe here. You could look there. But even more important than looking at that is what are they actually saying from the pulpit? What are they teaching in their classes? Does it agree with scripture? But Paul urges young Timothy to continue to grow in the knowledge of the word he says he says all scripture all of it is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching for rebuke for reproof for correction for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work right now 2022 we are in Another big 500th anniversary related to Lutheranism. You guys maybe don't know it. 2022 is the 500th anniversary of Luther translating the Bible or the New Testament into the German language. And he did that for a couple of reasons. He did that because he felt it was important that the people of God be able to read God's Word in the language of their hearts. The language that they dream in, the language that they think in, the, the, the language that's native to them. He felt that then, growing in the knowledge of that Word, they could then discern is what the pastor is teaching them, is what the pastor is preaching really the Word of God. Folks, that's why having all the trans. English translations we have, there's no excuse for you and I not to know the Word of God. I'm, I'm on the board for Lutheran Bible translators. There are still thousands of languages where they don't even have a piece of Scripture. You have dozens of versions of it and it's part of the responsibility of a believer to know that Word And to judge what you're hearing from the pulpit, not simply to accept it because I said it or Pastor Ridley said it, but ask the question. Judge for yourself. Does this agree with the Word? Second test. What is being preached and taught about Jesus? That's what the next part of our text, right? The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ, Jesus Himself, the chief cornerstone. See, in the ancient world, the chief cornerstone, that was the first stone laid. It was the most important stone in the building. It gave shape and purpose and structure to that building. Well, that's Jesus in our faith. He's the hub of the wheel. He's the cornerstone. He gives... Structure to our faith. He's what the Bible is all about. I still remember when I was teaching at Concordia, the first class I had to teach in 13 weeks, we had to go through the whole Bible. And so I decided to kind of pick up on basic themes. And one of the evaluations that year, one of the students in class at Concordia wrote the Bible is the book that's all about Jesus. And I thought, wow, one got it. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because in them you think that you have eternal life. These are they that testify about Me. So ask the question, is the Jesus being proclaimed the Jesus you meet in Holy Scripture? Because there are places where the Jesus that is proclaimed is not the Jesus who really lives. Not the Jesus recorded for us in the Bible. Apostle John told us to apply that test. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. And here's the test. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. You know, there are, are all sorts of books, and I've got a pass of them down in my office, written about how you can help your church become like those first seven things I listed. And like I said, those are good things, and if you do those things, you, you may see the church begin to grow. But I tell this story as, as, a, as a bit of warning. A number of years ago, I went to Southern California for a Missouri Synod Youth Conference. And a friend of mine took me to a large non-denominational church between Los Angeles and San Diego. And they had a lot of these characteristics that the worship was energizing. the, The preaching was relevant. The people were friendly. We were welcome. But you know, when I walked out I thought there's something missing. And the next morning it 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 hit me. They never mentioned Jesus once in the sermon. And hardly ever in the worship service. Folks preaching and teaching the scriptures Without Jesus, that's like having the, the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Without Jesus, the preaching of Jesus, uh, the Word is, is like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The, the proclamation of Jesus is the life-changing power at the heart of Scripture. I still remember the uh, uh, heart of God's Word. I still remember the first um, pastor's conference I went to. Uh, we call, He was a prof from the seminary. I was on my vicarage called him Wild Bill Schmelder. Um, And uh, he was talking about the fourth um, article of the Apology. And I remember one thing he said. He said, if you have not preached the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have not preached a Christian sermon. Jesus is the heart of it all. So Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel." which is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He said, faith comes from hearing the message, hearing through the Word of Christ. Paul makes it clear that this is how the church is built. By the power of the Word. In Jesus, the whole structure, he said, being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, in Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. That's why Paul's almost final advice to his mentee Timothy is this, to continue in God's Word, which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is why the essential mark of the Christian church The most important thing to look for and to expect from your church and from your pastors is to faithfully preach, teach, believe, and follow God's Word. After all, God's Word is how God works in our world and in our lives. I was in my first call, and one of my shut-ins Carl Mohoff, who has gone on to glory, said, Pastor, every time you come visit me, why, why do you bring your Bible? Uh, my thought was, what do you expect? <laughs> I said, Carl, if you, if you hired a carpenter to build something in your house, would you make him leave his tools in the truck? The Word of God is God's essential tool for working in our lives and in our world. You know, I shared with you what um, somebody said the most ridiculous ever said thing. It says, Share the gospel if necessary, use words. That's sort of like saying, Feed the hungry if necessary, use food. The Word of God is how God works. He makes it clear from the very first chapter of Genesis when ten times He says, and God said, and the whole universe came into being. He made it clear in the fullness of time when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus Christ. He made it clear at your baptism, which He calls a washing of water with the Word. He makes it clear today when in bread and wine you receive the body and blood because that's what He promised in His Word. The church must have and cherish the revelation of God in His Word. I want to close with these words from Luther. And even if there were no other sign than this alone, it would still suffice to prove that a Christian holy people must exist there. For God's Word cannot be without God's people and conversely, God's people cannot be without God's Word. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.